Good afternoon, everyone. I am kind of grateful that we're not meeting in Baghdad today. Uh, it's a pretty sobering uh, example. Reminds me of something that happened back in about 1996. We had planted a church in Uzbekistan, in Tashkent. And still to this day, it's against the law to uh, worship um, with any kind of freedom. There's ways to register the church, but then it has to follow all these government guidelines, and so it's, it's quite difficult. But um, we had a group of disciples who decided, they, they got kind of frustrated because no more than five people could meet together in a home. So they decided to do a music cafe. And then they couldn't help it. Disciples together, music, they threw it. They started getting into a hymn thing. And uh, next thing you know, the police, uh, big police wagon came up. Doors opened. Guys came out with the sticks. And uh, they basically took the whole 40 people that were meeting uh, out. Now, there was 20 disciples and 20 visitors. And some guy with the stick in his hand was asking each person, are you a member of this group? And of course, you know, the disciples were kind of on the spot. Uh, They all were faithful. That was good. But one of the surprises, one of the visitors, first time, the guy saying, "Are are, are you a member? And he goes, yeah. He's not a member. And got in the paddy wagon with everybody and then went off and sat all night in jail. And uh, they got to the police station and the Christians are like, you're not a member? He goes, no, but I want to be. Anybody that, that's taking a stand against the injustice here, you know, he just went on, I want to join, you know. So uh, he actually did study the Bible and get baptized. So it was a, an interesting story. But... You know, we get tested by our difficulties in life, don't we? Okay. There you go. Test one, two. Ooh, that's much louder. Okay. Okay. Sometimes the difficulties are technical. Well, you know, we all face difficulties in our life, but if you think of that image, which is just tragic, of what happened in that Baghdad church... Uh, really, we realized that this week wasn't so bad for many of us. And uh, definitely our sympathies go with Ken and his family and just really want to be praying for Cliff. And really, you know, just uh, his father's not in such good health that he's even coherently really remembering conversations and stuff right now. So let's really pray that some clarity will come back uh, in the remaining time that he has as well. But, you know, these are difficulties. These are real And I don't know what your difficulties were this week. Sometimes it helps to get them put into perspective. It helps when we hear about some other situations that are a little more difficult than, you know, the one that we are in. But no matter, you know, who you are, I'm sure that at some moments in this last week there were difficulties. And God's allowed that because it's in those moments of difficulty that we do turn to Him. I wish we would just turn to Him when everything was awesome. And actually, I would encourage us, learn how to do that. Uh, learn how to make a straight path for your feet. Learn how to just enjoy the moments as they, as they come. But also understand that when things go, may become difficult in our lives, God has a purpose for them. Uh, the purpose isn't to make our lives uncomfortable. The purpose isn't to punish us in some kind of way that makes God feel better because we're being punished. That's not how it works for God. God allows us to go through difficulty because He has a plan for our lives. And we learn things 
as we struggle through and as we turn to Him and as we rely on Him. We have a very, I'd say, about the most difficult situation you face in John chapter 11, and that is death. I mean, you know, compared to the problems that we had last week, where does death come in? Uh, That's a lot more final. That's a lot greater challenge. Now, as disciples of Jesus, it's not necessarily at all something we fear. But it still poses a challenge. I think, uh, who who here feels like they have some unfinished business still? You know? You know, just, just a little bit more to do. I mean, I know that I look at my children. You know, it was great seeing my daughter get married. But you know I have a secret little dream, right? To see some little bambinos. Italian. Okay, to see some little children. You know, grandchildren. What a great thought that is. And I won't embarrass Justin by whatever vision I might have for him in the future. Since he's sitting right there. But, but the point is, there's things in this world that are good, that are great, they're awesome. God has blessed us and we feel attached to certain good things. And so there's nothing wrong with feeling lost when those things are taken from us. There's nothing wrong, wrong in wanting to be here longer to you know, enjoy. These are blessings from God. But ultimately, because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, the fear of death has been removed. And therefore, there's nothing to fear in Christ. Now let's just look at uh, some video clips. And we'll take the first one. There we go. Do you want to hit the lights? Just or A man named Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, became sick. Bethany was the town where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who poured the perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. The sisters sent Jesus the message. Lord, your dear friend is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, The final result of this sickness will not be the death of Lazarus. This has happened in order to bring glory to God, and it will be the means by which the Son of God will receive glory. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he received the news that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. Teacher, just a short time ago the people there wanted to stone you. And are you planning to go back? The day has twelve hours, doesn't it? So those who walk in broad daylight do not stumble, for they see the light of this world. But if they walk during the night, they stumble, because they have no light. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But I will go and wake him up. If he is asleep, Lord, he will get well. Jesus meant that Lazarus had died, but they thought he meant natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. 
But for your sake, I am glad that I was not with him. So that you will believe. Let us go to him. Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us all go along with the teacher, so that we may die with him. I appreciate Thomas's enthusiasm. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's thinking. I don't think everyone quite shared it. But you know, there was a danger that Jesus was facing, but he was willing to face it because of his love for his friends. But what's also interesting about this story is, and, and this will come out a little bit later, Jesus could have gone quicker. Jesus could have you know, picked up his things and gone and prevented this situation. And I think it's important for us to understand that sometimes we have a picture of God that really doesn't match how God himself operates. We have a picture that God's just going to take all the difficulty out of our lives. We have a picture that somehow, if I just become a Christian, I won't have financial problems. Because he said, don't worry. So I won't have problems. Now, what happens, you know, if you don't have problems, of course, you're not even tempted to worry. But the command, don't worry, really becomes real when in fact there are some difficulties, right? The command to not be afraid only is real when in fact there's something to be afraid of. And so what's interesting is God allows us to go through difficulty because He has a plan. And I love the way Jesus looks at things. A little earlier, we, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the video clip, uh, John chapter 9, where the man born blind, that Jesus and His apostles, they came up to this man, and the, the apostles are like, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Real positive point of view. And Jesus said, it wasn't this man or his parents, but this man was born blind so that the glory of God may be manifest in his life. Now his friend Lazarus is dead. But Jesus' view is this. God can be glorified even in this difficulty. Let's look over in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And let's look in, let's pick it up in verse 4. Think for a moment about your childhood memories of being disciplined. Anyone have a few stuck, stuck with you? Okay. You know, question, do you think of those and go, is that the, the memories you pull up when you want to feel good? It, typically not, Right. And sadly, I have to say this, not all of us were disciplined in any kind of biblical way. Uh, there was a cruelty there, maybe a harshness, maybe a lack of love, maybe anger on the part of our parent. And so it really wasn't the same as God's. But I think even if we understand we had loving parents, they're still imperfect. And so even in the most loving parents' parenting... Because many of us didn't realize that this till we became parents. But even in the most loving parents' parentings, there's going to be failure. There's going to be flaws. But there's difficulty in our lives because this is how God parents us. Let's read the scripture together. Hebrews 12 verse 4 says, In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now since we're all here alive, that's true for us. 
And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now this this is one of those really strange verses. Hey, let me just share a really encouraging idea with you. God disciplines those He loves. Now who wanted to be loved by God again? (laughs) Amen. But see, we got to understand something about God's love. There's a discipline in God's love. The great news is, it isn't unjust, it isn't uh, because He's just angry and he's, He's just expressing anger. He does it because He loves us. And how does He do it? Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Does discipline bring about good results? Done in love, done with good principle, it does. And so what God is saying is about our difficulties. If we embrace that God is in control, that our lives are in His hand, then in fact we can accept the discipline that comes our way. And we can accept that hardship and actually then look for how is God working in this. You know, am I alone in working on patience here? But you know, how do you actually get to work on patience? Isn't it by being in situations that test your patience? I mean, that, that's where the moment comes. If it's, it's, it's like being bold. You're not bold if there's nothing to have some fear of. But in the face of fear, boldness is the right answer. Well, patience needs a context. And it's challenging, the situations that develop our patience. But think back about the week, maybe your most challenging situation, and ask a question, what was God trying to teach me? What was God trying to train me in? And I know for me personally, it comes down to uh, dealing with conflict. I don't like conflict. And I don't, I, I don't intentionally go out and make it, but I'm sure I'm the cause of conflict. Uh, my wife would vouch for that, and maybe my son and some others. But the truth is, I don't like conflict. I, I really don't want it. But I know that every time I go through some conflict, something changes in me. There's good that comes from it. It doesn't seem pleasant at the time. But there is a harvest of righteousness and peace when we accept what God is teaching and training us. We need to look at our circumstances the way Jesus did. Difficulty as an opportunity for God to teach us and train us. Let's read a little further. We'll look in John 11, 17 to 37. Second clip. When 
Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been buried four days before. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Judeans had come to see Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother's death. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask him for. Your brother will rise to life. I know that he will rise to life on the last day. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live, even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this? You are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately. The teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and hurried out to meet him. Jesus had not yet arrived in the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The people who were in the house with Mary, comforting her, followed her when they saw her get up and hurry out. They thought that she was going to the grave to weep there. Mary arrived where Jesus was, and as soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. saw her weeping, and he saw how the people with her were weeping also. His heart was touched, and he was deeply moved. you buried him. Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. But some of them said, he gave sight to the blind man, didn't he? Could he not have kept Lazarus from dying? You know, everyone had the same thought. Why did Jesus allow this to happen? And that was really our first point. We have to accept difficulty comes into our lives. But then the next point is this. Even though God allows it, it doesn't mean he's detached from it. He actually has compassion with us and wants to suffer with us. Isn't that an amazing thought? 
You know, he's not just allowing this life to send us difficulties, and he's sitting back and looking and going, you know what, you deserve that. Looks good. That, that, that's good for you. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, if you've been disciplining your, your child, and they're not quite enjoying it, and a little part of you kind of goes, well, that's good, you know. We have a little bit of that judgment going on in our hearts. But God looks at our pain, and God actually has compassion. And the people said, he's crying for Lazarus. Now, was Jesus crying for Lazarus? Lazarus was in no pain. Lazarus had been asleep for four days already. The sleep of death. Lazarus, in that state, was simply waiting for the final resurrection. So Lazarus was fine. Jesus wasn't crying for Lazarus. He was crying with Mary and with Martha. And so we need this understanding of God. One, whatever happens in our lives, God is allowing it, and even in some instances, making it happen. Directing it. I think lots of times, though, He does let circumstance simply roll. But He could prevent it if He wanted to. And have you ever felt like, God, why didn't you prevent that? You know, God, you could have prevented that. I know you have the power. Why didn't you? Well, that's a question, unfortunately, that is not really going to lead to some good reflection. Do we accept simply God allows and uses difficulty in our lives? He has a purpose. But then secondly, in that difficulty, He doesn't want us to be alone. In that difficulty, He wants to connect with us. But see, that connection also means we need to reach out to Him. Martha went out to meet Him. Mary went out to meet Him. They were being open. What was going on in their heart? Let's look over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7, and just read some instruction about prayer. Philippians 4. Verse 4 to 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, how can I rejoice when there's difficulty? How can I rejoice when I don't feel like rejoicing? But he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's a deeper joy that we can have than simply the one that results in laughing out loud. There's a joy that we can have in knowing that God is with us. In knowing that our lives are given over to Him. That He is in control. We've surrendered to Him. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, a petition, we hear about that in in our culture, in our society. Usually a petition has a bunch of signatures. Somebody has written down a statement. They want something to change in the government or to change in some kind of organization. And so they write down their statement of change. And then they get as many people as they can to sign it. And, And we call that a petition. Because it's asking for something very specific. And then there's prayer, which is just a more general term. But he says, when, as you pray and as you make petition, do it with thanksgiving. 
This is a little backwards. You know, when when you ask someone for, for something, do you usually say thank you before you receive it? Oh, can I have 10 quid, Derek? Thank you. You know, that's not typically how it works, right? You, you say, can I have 10 quid? And then you wait. Now you're planning on saying thank you, but that thank you is going to come when you've got the tenor in your hand. But it says here, make your prayers and petitions with thanksgiving already. Grateful for what we do have from God. Grateful from even this circumstance that God is involved in. God allows us to do, go through difficulty, but He actually wants to go through it with us. He never meant for us to go through it by ourselves. He wanted us to go through it with Him. Let's look a little further in the story. Deeply moved once more, Jesus went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone placed at the entrance. Take the stone away. That would be a bad smell, Lord. He has been buried four days. Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? took the stone away. Jesus looked up. I thank you, Father, that you listen to me. I know that you always listen to me. But I say this for the sake of the people here so that they will believe that you sent me. After he had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus! Come out! problems to God? You know, think about it. The difficulties we face, He could solve every one of them so simply and easily. And yet, He allows us to face them so that we can be trained by them. So that we can become better children in relationship with Him. So that we can pray more earnestly to Him. 
In times of difficulty, whose first thought is to pray? I mean, that's what happens. If I'm feeling a little ill, I pray. If, if I'm running a little late, I pray. If, you know, as soon as I'm in trouble, I pray. Isn't that kind of a natural reflex? But, you know, we need to have that heart of prayer all the time. To really just be connecting with God at every moment, as much as possible. What was our biggest problem? None of us faced Lazarus's issue. You know, we have faced death this year already. Three times just within our congregation. And then also just, it's amazing just how many other people that we know, friends, family, others. It's been a, a pretty tragic year in that way. And yet as Christians we know that Jesus has the power to overcome death. You know, Martha, when she first met Jesus, she was being so, so faithful. She goes, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. But then he goes, roll back the stone, and what's her comment? It's going to be stinky. She just finished saying, I know you can do anything. So how's Lazarus going to get out unless the stone is moved? And Jesus has been planning all along to raise him. He's been preaching a message, I am the resurrection and the life. See, we can know things, but not really believe them. And how much did we worry this past week about things, in fact, we can't change by worrying? As Jesus said, who by worrying can add a single minute to their life? A great paradox, since worry actually takes away from your life. So who who by worrying can change anything? But make your lay your anxieties before God. Make your prayers and petitions with thanksgiving. We know from Jesus, we know from Paul, the answer isn't always yes. You know, we had an Islamic visitor at Bible discussion a couple of weeks ago, and this is one of the proofs he used that Jesus wasn't the Son of God because God didn't answer his prayer. And if he was a righteous man, then why didn't God do it? And I said, well, I appreciate your thought. But if Jesus, if God didn't allow Jesus to go through that, I wouldn't be a Christian. It was for a higher purpose that the answer to that was no. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. He begged Jesus three times, take it away from me, and it was not removed. And Jesus simply said, my grace is sufficient for you. Let's just read over in Romans chapter 8. A very encouraging passage, starting in verse 28. Because we have a God who can overcome death. Is that the kind of joy we had this week? Were we walking with the God who overcomes death? As we dealt with our little worries day to day. I know not everyone had a great week with health. I mean, some are you here, and I know that you were ill during the week. Great to have you here. You know? And guess what? Who knows who it'll be next week? But the truth is, and I'm not making any predictions, okay? But the truth is, God is walking with us. And His presence gives us comfort. And though it's difficulty, I don't want to tell you, you don't have difficulties to go through. You just need to hear this message. God has a purpose. He won't let you go through it alone. 
and he actually feels your pain. What's it say in Romans 8.28? And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Himself up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. The one who could have condemned us is in fact interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Believe it or not, we can allow an unpaid bill to separate us from the love of Christ. Because we don't feel His love. Because we're focused and worried about that and we're not giving it back to Him. We can let another relationship with other human beings interfere with our relationship with God. We don't feel that love. It's not that He doesn't love us. Don't get me wrong. He never stops. But there's a relationship here. He's calling us into relationship with prayers and petitions, with thanksgiving. He says, no, in all of this, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is offered, it's extended, it's given to us. It's up to us to receive it, to face Him, to accept it, to accept the fact that our difficulties are in His hands, to accept what it says in verse 28, all things work together for good for those that love Him. What are we worrying about? What are we anxious about? All things work to good for those that love Him. What can separate us from the love of Christ? There is no other person, no other force, no demon, Satan, nothing. Death can't. But if we turn our back on God, that's a different story. The call is to come into the light. The call is to face Him and to accept His love. To see His mercy and His grace. Let's just watch the last little clip here. Many of the people who had come to visit Mary saw what Jesus did. And they believed in Him. But some of them returned to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the Pharisees and the chief priests met with the council and said, What shall we do? Look 
at all the miracles this man is performing. If we let him go on in this way, everyone will believe in him. And the Roman authorities will take action and destroy our temple and our nation. One of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said, What fools you are! Don't you realize that it is better for you to have let one man die for the people instead of having the whole nation destroyed? Actually, he did not say this of his own accord. Rather, as he was high priest that year, he was prophesying that Jesus was going to die for the Jewish people, and not only for them, but also to bring together into one body all the scattered people of God. From that day on, the Jewish authorities made plans to kill Jesus. So Jesus did not travel openly in Judea, but left and went to a place near the desert to a town named Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. The time for the Passover festival was near, and many people went up from the country to Jerusalem to perform the ritual of purification before the festival. They were looking for Jesus, and as they gathered in the temple, they asked one another, What do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where Jesus was, he must report it, so that they could arrest him. You know, the, the question going among the people was, who is he? What does this mean? And it's kind of shocking that the disciples witnessed this, the apostles witnessed this miracle, and then in, in just a, a week later, Jesus is crucified, and they're, they're wrestling with the idea. How can God ever overcome this? Even though they'd seen the dead raised. You know, we need to see that the gospel calls us to a level of faith that isn't just something we have naturally. It's something we have by trusting in God. Look over in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, our last scripture. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. The gospel states as a fact, Jesus rose from the dead. That is the message. He died for our sins, and God raised Him from the dead. Changes everything. If Jesus rose from the dead, what do we have to, to be wor worried about? What are we concerned about? If He rose from the dead, if God loves us so much that He gave us His only Son, how can we worry about anything else in our lives? Look in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Since the promise of entering His rest still stands, and this is reflecting back on the Israelites having left Egypt to go into the promised land, said, Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. The Israelites left Egypt with a promise. Moses was preaching, he was performing miracles, and he was saying, God wants to give you the promised land. He wants to free you from your slavery. And everyone was excited. But it took a little while to get to the promised land. And there was a time of testing 
to see if they really would trust God. And of the 600,000 men that left Egypt, only two made it into the promised land. They were given a gospel, a good news. Their good news was physical, the promised land. Our good news is eternal life. Is that exciting? Isn't that amazing? But you know, there's a challenge in that. Because if we really believe in the God who raises the dead, do we believe in the God who comforts us in our economic struggles? Do we believe in the God who helps us when we're having some conflicts with our brothers or sisters or with our spouses or with some other person? Do we believe in a God who can actually help us in our day-to-day life? Oh yes, my God can raise the dead, but He's a little too busy to take care of the small details. The truth is, God cares about us. And when we hurt, He hurts with us. But He has a purpose in our difficulty. Now Lazarus rose from the dead, but he will die again. He'd been asleep in death for four days. He rose, we don't know how much longer he lived, but eventually he died yet again. But what Jesus was saying was this, if you have faith in me, you can be raised to eternal life and never die. Let's think about the faith that we have as disciples of Jesus. Let's think about the gospel calls us to believe. And let's ask ourselves, am I putting faith into practice every day? Not just some like, yes, God, that'll be great. At the end of my life, I know there's heaven, that'll be great. The God of heaven is with us now. And the God of heaven wants us to connect with Him now. Don't wait for heaven. And He has demonstrated love to us that's unfathomable. Sending His Son to die on a cross. And He extends us mercy and grace that we could never deserve. Let us believe the good news. Let us mix this message, this gospel, with faith. As we pray, the worship team is going to come up and take their places. Our Father in God, we thank You so much just for the, the miracle of Jesus. Father, His physical existence here on earth was a miracle from beginning to end. And we are so grateful that you would send part of yourself to take flesh, to be walking this earth, Father. It's an amazing picture that that you would be willing to give us just the most precious thing to you, your Son. And Father, we know that people just like us literally put him to death. But Father, though we weren't there and it's 2,000 years later, we know that our sin also put Him on that cross. That that's a sacrifice. And Father, we accept our responsibility for that. But Father, I pray that we can truly take away the challenge to faith that Jesus was making to His own disciples in this chapter. He really wanted them to trust Him in everything. And Father, I pray that that's what we will be encouraged to do. That we'll think about Your love. That nothing can separate us from it. But Father, we must surrender to You and accept it. Give us, Father, those humble hearts to really put our faith completely in You. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.